The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate myth with Colm Holland, who is a return guest, and Dean Wilkinson, a fellow Yank, and they are going to be discussing the book that they co-edited that is The True Origin of Jesus, The Myth Behind the Man. Interesting stuff. When I heard about, Colm, you got in touch with me. When I heard about this book, I said, yes, that sounds Fascinating. So welcome to you both. Thank you, Christine. You join us today. Thank you. It's wonderful. Thank Dean, you. I must say yeah. I love your you've got a, a thing behind your on, on your mantle. Live like it's true. I kind yeah. of feel like that is the theme of this book, perhaps. It is. It's the uh, you know, it's the theme of my life, right? So when I I remember when I first started discovering Jesus and trying to figure out what what it was about i said could could a regular man live like that was true and uh you know of course i never have gotten there but i that's that's my thought (laughs) well and you know what does it harm to live like it's true he had some amazing truths and he did some amazing teachings and some did some remarkable things at least the myth. So, you know, what's wrong with living like it's true? Of course, the jury is out. None of us were around to to know for sure. All right. So let's get, let's start on this book. This book was originally written by Jeff uh, Roberts, who is now, unfortunately. Yes, certainly. um, Why did you decide to re-edit it, refresh it, and republish it? Um, Jeff published it, self-published him um, 10 years ago um, at a time when it was really hard to self-publish and actually get your book found. And not many people found this book and it went out of print straight away, almost. So maybe sold a couple of hundred copies, that was all. Um, I found it through a colleague um, of mine who was a friend of Jeff's um, after he was deceased. And I approached, after I read it, 
I thought, well, this is a book that I have on my list to write. I was going to write this book. Um, and I knew how many years of work it would take to write this book. And so uh, when I saw that Jeff had written most, you know, already done the work, I approached his wife and his daughter who hold the rights and said, um, I think I have a publisher. So John Hunt Publishing decided that the, the book was definitely worth um, republishing under a new title. So we, uh, in the old days, um, Jeff published it as Jesus 888, which is the divine numerology for who Jesus was. Um, but that only told one fraction of the story of the origins of the true origins of Jesus. Yes, there is definitely evidence to show that the myth, the myth of Jesus, which is what we see in the New Testament, came out. One of the one of the roots that it came out of was new, numerology. Um, but there were at least eight other eight other origins in there. So the 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 book basically says. Um, in a nutshell, that it is almost impossible for any educated person to find any factual evidence for the existence of Jesus of Nazareth as portrayed in the New Testament. So whether there was a Jesus um, who predated the, the Jesus of the, of, the, of the New Testament or not, that, that's covered in the book. You know, was, was there a guy like Jesus around 100 years before or whatever? Maybe, maybe there was. But um, other than the New Testament itself and some very spurious, much later pieces of evidence that seem to just appear out of nowhere in the Catholic Church later, um, it's very hard for anybody to say, yeah, you know, Jesus actually, factually, historically existed. And that was at a time when lots of people were recording most of the major events. So, you know, during Roman times, there was a lot of people recording history. Mm. Um, so it's not like, you know, these were the dark ages. These were very academic. This was an academic period of time, post-Greek, early Roman. Um, and so it was really, it's really hard to... To, to prove that. So what what difference does that make? You know, if you if you believe in Jesus Christ of the New Testament or is it um, does it what does it matter? Well it matters if your faith is reliant and totally dependent on a historical Jesus. Mm. If you need Jesus to have to, to have been a real person and you can go even further, a real person who was born of a virgin, we're nearly up to Christmas, so you know, right. let's talk about that. Born of a, of a virgin um, uh, in a stable uh, with oxen and sheep and, um, and so forth, and all of that, and with the wise men and the shepherds and all that. If you need that to be factual, then um, don't, yeah, probably don't read this book. <laughs> It'll shake, it'll, it'll shake you up unless yeah, it's, you go on the journey. A little stick well, of know, dynamite. enough, there were other religions who reported virgin births, who had deities of virgin birth, who had died and resurrected three, three days later, who had a period of 40 days, 40 nights of questioning. So, I mean, this is not unique. No, not, not, it's at not all. unique. And, you know, if you need to believe in the factual, actual Jesus, I like the way you said that, Colin. <laughs> it, 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 
you know, it can be answered, right? It, you, there's all the apologetics in there that can get you even more confused, but does it need to be factual? And that's why we wanted to really come out and say, it doesn't need to be factual for it to be true for you mm-hmm. and for you to live like it's true. Live like it's it, true, right. Oh, no, that's fascinating. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. So interesting. So Jeff, Jeff's background, what was that? Why did he write it? Interesting. So Jeff was not a theologian. He was not a churchgoer. Um, he was an investigative journalist. So he's spent his life photo- photographing and exploring the facts around stuff that was going on in, in the world that he lived in. He grew up in Liverpool, in England, in, in the UK. Um, and he was a very highly respected guy for you know getting down, finding out the facts as a, as a journalist. And, um, and so he just decided that there wasn't, in his experience, a book that was available to anybody who just had a even just a curious interest of whether or not it was possible to prove there was an historical Jesus. Um, And he wanted to take all of those big theological tomes that he discovered that covered this in great, great detail, which nobody's ever going to read in the man in the street or the woman at home. They're just not going to read this stuff. And, um, And so he said, okay, I'll put it into one book in a way that, you know, if I understand it, then other people can understand it. So he made the truth accessible and uh, his conclusion, um, which is pretty clear, is that actually the potential power of a myth of Jesus is even greater than that of an historical Jesus. In other words, the way that the human psyche and the human mind relates to mythology is more powerful than if we can you know if we can prove that he he was actually born in a stable in bethlehem for example interesting interesting yes i mean again the story is not new and it's not unique that has come from many many different traditions fascinating so um i know that later much later after the bible the Dead Sea, Dead sea Scrolls and the Gnostic Gospels were, were found. The, the Gospel of, uh, of Thomas, too. How, do, how does that play into the story and the myth? I'll, I'll quite happily let Dean take that one. <laughs> so how does it, right? That's a, you know, that's a great question. And, we, you know, we could, you know, look at history and understand what was happening in the times when those would have would have been hidden in that cave you know they they were destroying the temple and take, wiping away all, all signs of anything that didn't agree with you know what the mainstream you know the you know what kind of fake news was going on back then and how was it spread I mean the question because they, they needed to protect these and when the council of Nicaea I think it was like three t- 300 years later, 362 or something met and decided which Bibles were going to be, or which books were going to be inserted in the Bible. And I mean, everybody knew what would happen. So they hid away the ones that were rejected, but they went out burning and and destroying everything else. We lost a lot of great information from that. Absolutely. A lot of great information about that. Um, So 
the jury is out, according to this book, about whether Jesus was a real life person. Why do we have the myth? That's a great question. Yeah, I'll, great. I'll, I'll kick. I'll kick off with yeah, you. Mine. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you mine. And then, then we'll. Dean, Dean and I have got two great versions of this, which which complement each other really well. So my my own background is Jungian um, philosophy, um, psychology. So the Professor Carl Jung, who was a, a colleague of Sigmund Freud's. Um, one of the things that, that Carl Jung is so m mostly famous for is um, his uh, understanding that the, the human psyche, the way that the, the mind works and understands things, um, is made up of two distinct parts, the conscious part of the psyche and the unconscious part of the psyche. And one of the things that he was really big on was that a lot of what we think and how we behave and what we believe and what we do and what we have faith in and and what you know why we even get up in the morning and live the life that we live comes from the unconscious part of the psyche in other words we're not even hardly aware of the things that drive us and uh, he began to try and understand so uh, how can we begin to understand the psyche how can we understand why it does what it does you know, within our own, um, our own mind? And so he came up with this idea, which I, which I buy into, which is that the, the way that the conscious mind can understand the unconscious mind is, is when the unconscious mind creates story, a mythology. So when the Greeks were writing their mythology, it was that where was that coming from? Was it inspired by the gods? When the Romans were writing their mythology, when the Gnostics were writing their gospels, when when the early Christians were writing their gospels, where did where does that come from? And he would say, um, because they all share similar themes and similar motivations, uh, that they come from the unconscious. In other words, the unconscious is is constantly looking for story to create story um to embed in those stories things that bring meaning and purpose um, to our lives and that's what religion is according to Carl Jung. so religion is a mythological um, it's a, a mechanism of the interaction of the conscious and the unconscious mind to try and make sense of, of why we're even here in the first place. So, so that's my take on myth. And so if Jesus is a myth, then the, according to Jung, of course, um, it's even more powerful than if it was fact, because what it's saying is that in those, in that myth of Jesus, we can find true meaning. Um, if, if the myth of Jesus is doing its job properly, then um, yes, it can be transformative. Yes, it can change lives. Yes, it can. You know, Billy Graham in my day <laughs> predates a lot of your listeners, I know, but you know, the Reverend Billy Graham, when he went to theological college, he had the same dilemma. When Billy Graham went to theolo theological college, he discovered that it ain't necessarily so what you read in the Bible and he had to make a decision in other words do i go with the myth as it is in the new testament or do i start criticizing it and he decided to go with the myth and he devoted his life to the myth and 
millions of people's lives were transformed through through his work. Um, but in private, and, and in, even in his in his autobiography, he does say that actually he he realised that it's it's really um, the power within the story that is actually changing lives, not not necessarily the truth of the story. So truth in our as. Dean and I, and, and certainly uh, Carl Jung and Jeff, who wrote the book, understand it. Truth lies in knowing what is right and what can direct our lives rather than depending on it actually happening on a certain day, on a certain time, in a certain place. You know, that there's two different kinds of truth. Religious truth, transformational truth, lies in the world of mythology. So that's, yeah, that's my... What's your take. take on it? Dean, what's your, what's your take on it? Why, why do we need the myth anyway? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. So take, you know, just taking off where Young, you know, stopped there, but we need it for the, in the it's, it's here already. It's in our collective, it's in our collective conscious, not just unconscious. And because of that, when you, when you look at, the, the breaking away when this information starts to break through a uh, mind, things are a little bit confusing about how to live. What is my purpose then? What is my meaning? If I start questioning these major, major foundational places where we grew up and we this influence, almost everyone has a story, a personal story about what Jesus means. So what do you do with that? Do you, oh my gosh, that was all lies. That was, that, that hurt me so much. And then I've got more wounds because we got enough of those, right? We need to heal from and we got to get through. And if you follow the path that the, some of the things that are in there, you take the Sermon on the Mount, for example. I mean, I, I, I see a transformative message there almost. No, it is magical. So it has some of the magical roots, the Egyptian roots in it that he, Jesus would have been exposed to along the Silk Road if he didn't just go there himself. We don't really know. Again, too little information. But since he's so cultivated into our cultures, then what do you do? Well, you, I, when I first said, okay, let me find out how this Bible was created. How, who decided what books were in this Bible when I found out there were other ones? I, I, I found it. I, I found, you know, it took me a little digging, but I found the website. And I remember saying, I'm going to find the truth here. And I shut my laptop because I was scared of what that was going to do. Because my hero was Jesus. See, I think he was a badass, not a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. It, it sounds almost like you're a, a reformed fundamentalist. Well, and, I mean, that's where I started in the Christian journey. It, is a, I, some tent revival when I was a kid, but wandered in and, you know, shirtless and shoeless and the whole bit. And then, you know, kind of ignored it. And then I became an adult. And then that was a fundamentalist church that I first went to. And it was a free one, the one I left at the end, right? It was, it was this journey that let go of more and more of the of the lies about what god is and who jesus was and especially the christ right which jesus never claimed that title right. but the christ itself that's been around 
the idea has been around is in the Old Testament. You you find it right, like and it, and I couldn't leave it, but I, I did. I tried, and it knocked things around too much. So I said, "Huh." And then when I ran into Calm and uh, and and his Jungian knowledge, it was like, "Oh, it was okay that I choose to still believe the myth. It's okay, and it's worked for me. And that's the ultimate when when it's matters of faith." Does it work for you? Believe what you want. You know, this has got another connotation. Believe whatever you want, whatever you've discovered, then live like it's true. See if it works. And if it works, keep doing it. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. You know, there are so many who profess to believe and to follow Christ and his teachings and, um, you know, they so many fall short, you know, drift into judgment, into persecution, et cetera, et cetera, which is antithetical to his teachings. Very interesting. Um, so how did the two of you meet each other? I'm, I'm trying to remember. We knew yeah, the, it was a shared friend, someone I had met in other circumstances when I was investigating, now not the Bible anymore, but I was investigating everything else, all the mystery religions. And um, she was a Reiki teacher 
in charge of a mystery school and she knew Colin. And she introduced us, said, you two would like each other. And we, hey, we did. <laughs> and we've been talking since. I can see where you two would really have a lot to mesh around. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, such different backgrounds and such different courses of study in a way, but, but not. It's, it's a perfect, it's a complementary relationship is what it looks like. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get back to the book. Um, so we know that this is myth and myth is absolutely needed and absolutely necessary to just understand our greater truths, et cetera. So if, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, if Jesus is a myth, where do we get all the stories in the gospels from? That's a, that's a, um, you need to read the book. <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, everybody needs to read the book. But I'm sure this is a question that not only I would have, yeah. but others would have as well. We we can't do it justice in the short time we've got. But I'll give it a go. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll pick a couple. Yeah, of give it a go and I'll give a little side one. It'll be yeah, fun. yeah, we've got a couple. Okay, okay. so, so um, there was a tipping point for me when I was reading this particular manuscript that Jeff wrote. And it was about um, something that really fascinated me for years, which is the evidence of Buddhism within the Gospels in the New Testament. Well, in, certainly in two, two of them in particular, uh, both Matthew and Luke, the, and the, particularly around, as Dean said earlier, the Beatitudes. Two different versions, of course. One talks about you know, the poor and the meek um, and the downtrodden, um, in you know, in the physical sense, that's that sort of Luke, and then in Matthew, you've got um, the same sort of sentiment. Only he he talks in spiritual terms, and um, Christian theologians over the years have tried to work out where this came from, and they came up with this thing called Q, the letter Q, which is which is also German for source. So for the last... Wait, wait a minute. Like yeah. QAnon? No, no, just the letter no, Q. No, no, no. No, nothing, no, no. We're talking 100 yeah, years like ago. This, yeah. this unnamed source, it doesn't have a name except they named it Q. Q. Yes. Okay. Yes, they called the it Q. Q. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you decide to study, study Christian theology and you go to theological college of any... You will learn about Q. It's one of the things that, that um, it's like, this is the latest thing we know about the New Testament and its origin. And what it means is that they believe there was a, a bulk of writing that existed before the Gospels were written. And this was this writing or this word of mouth was being passed around those early Christian communities. And it was forming the basis of the belief of those people. Which is which is all good. Sounds great. Sounds very sound and and so on. And I, I bought into that. So for for me for many years, twenty thirty years, um, that explained why we've got these seemingly um, completely uh, disparate pieces of scripture that don't really compare to the other bits of Christian um, writings in the Gospels. So fine. And then I came across um, a Buddhist scholar. Um, his name was Christian Lindner, and he's Danish. 
and he um, had no relationship to Christianity whatsoever. Uh, he was a, a professor of Sanskrit, which is ancient Indian written language. Um, and he would be called upon by lots of ancient Buddhists, um, academics who study ancient Buddhism to translate. If they found new documents, they would ask him to translate them because he was one of the few people who could translate from uh, ancient Sanskrit into English and Danish and other languages. So very highly sought after guy, brilliant, brilliant academic. And so he started, he was given some manuscripts about 20 years ago, and he started to translate them. And he started scratching his head and going, I know this. I've read this before. Where? 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 You know, these names and this, not only that, but the pentameter of the verse in which they're written, it seems to ring a bell. And so he carried on and finished the work and then went off and thought, well, let me let me think where I may be able to find that. And he, he in the course of his investigation, he picked up the New Testament and started to read the New Testament in Danish, probably, I think it was. And he thought, oh, OK, I've just read this. <laughs> Only I've just read this in manuscripts 200 years that predate when these were written. So he took a year out and went and learned ancient Greek so he could read the New Testament in Greek. And then he put the two side by side. So he put the Greek verses and the Sanskrit verses together, and then he started to cross-reference them. And lo and behold, what he discovered was that in many cases, particularly one, the one that really stood out to him was the story of um, Martha and Mary and the raising of Lazarus. Incidents from the life of St. Peter, word for word, same names, same pentameter, same stories. And so he decided to approach his local theological college and said, I think I may have found a stick of dynamite. <laughs> Are you interested <laughs> or not? And there was one theologian in the, in, in the uh, university who said, yes, I'm interested. Can you show me what you've discovered? And, and he did. And she said, I'd like you to come and, and teach. Um, or give us give a, a talk at a conference we're holding next year, all about Q source Q. Yes. Because I think you've got something to inform us on that, and so he did. And he stood up after they'd all been talking all day, and he started to quote the Sanskrit scriptures. And he was uh, everybody except five people walked out. Can't say as I'm surprised. Um, he, they walked out when he asked them a question. And the question was, how many of you can read Sanskrit? How many of you have ever bothered to think that Sanskrit might be important? That here are the ancient Buddhist <laughs> scriptures that may have influenced the New Testament. Or are you so isolated in your theological world that you cannot even entertain that there may even be something almost identical that exists in another world that has influenced this. And he said, I'm not drawing any conclusions from this. I'm just pointing it out. 
Uh, he said, I'm not a theologian. It's not for me to decide what this means for Christianity or what it means for Christian theology. He said, I, I wouldn't have a clue. But I just wanted, I just thought you guys should know because it's the truth. Because, you know, I found it and here it is. And um, so Jeff found Christian Lindner's work. And so in, in Jeff's book, um, The True Origins, um, he covers that whole incident in great detail. So um, was one of the influences of uh, the New Testament on the myth of Jesus in the New Testament, was that drawn from Buddha, and from the character of Buddha and the life of Buddha as told in, in, in ancient Buddhism? Was it drawn, are passages from the New Testament drawn from ancient Sanskrit documents, the answer is yes. Mm. Yes, it is. And I hate to be the bearer of shocking news, if this is shocking news to somebody who's listening to your podcast, Christy. Mm. We're not doing this to try and destroy anybody's faith because you know, we're not talking about faith. We're talking about academia and, you know, um, and of course, what a lot of, a lot of theologian christian theologians in the past have said which is quite convenient because you know the devil made this stuff up um, in other words yeah the devil wrote that in the sanskrit text to try and throw people away from believing in you know the factual mm. teachings of jesus so mm -hmm. right i can't argue with that you know i've got no no argument against that whatsoever yes and that's so, why i was not surprised that the that anybody walked out of that lecture because People are so entrenched in their faith. Yeah, and yeah, but they've also been getting paid to kind of be the guys who know what's you know what it's all about. And they, and Theologians, like, that is, but not the like the everyday person, right? The, yeah. the person who was influenced growing up by the church and the story of Jesus. That that person, how important their faith is. Well, you know, working in the church for so long and being a leader in the church and counseling people and, and doing the, the healing work that was the way it was done in church was, you know, counseling with somebody and praying with them mm -hmm. in that particular denomination's way. Here's the thing. The story wasn't freeing anybody. They weren't getting, they weren't getting healed. Their faith was based upon what someone told them their faith was. And I kept wondering why, hold it, I'm, I'm digging in and I'm learning more and more about what's going on. I want to try to live like this thing is true because I'm feeling free. And we're kind of pitching freedom from the pulpits. But at the end of the day, our people are still enslaved to their, their what they call their faith. The guilt, though, that it causes and the shame and the fear that it doesn't release you from. It's not your faith isn't working until there until I'm no longer afraid. I no longer feel guilty. I am created to be on this earth for a purpose and to find that purpose and work in that purpose. We weren't doing that in the Christian church, in my opinion. I 1000% agree, Dean, uh, taking these teachings and the, these parables and then turning them on their ear and turning them into a, a tool for something other than it's than it is right um but that this is the, but the nature of faith is what she said it's like you you believe it you might not be able to explain it or know why you believe it but you do 
right? Being told doesn't make you believe it. It just creates this false evidence of faith. Oh, very interesting. You know, um, in your in your publication materials, your publicity materials, you talk about um, astrology and numerology in the Bible. And I thought that was very interesting because that's something I truly have faith in is that there is an order to the universe. There is a system to the universe and many things fall into that system. So talk, can you talk about how astrology and numerology do play a part in the early teachings in the Bible? Um, it's the, the one one area of topic that I'm, I'm the least knowledgeable about, Christian. So I'll, I'll own up to my very, you know, limited, very limited lack of knowledge apart from what I've read in, in the book. Um, but I will tell you this, that um, in, the, in the world of astrology, and as we go through various epochs in astrology, which you will know, um, the... The, uh, the rising of Christian faith happened at a, at a juncture. It's, it's, it's actually happening in an astrological juncture uh, as we're coming out of the epoch of, of, of Pisces, of, of the fish, um, and coming into the era of uh, Aquarius, mm-hmm. of water. So when you, if you put those glasses on, if you put your astrological glasses on, and then you go into the scriptures, particularly the Gospel of John, then what you'll discover is there are multiple references. Uh, even the fact that Jesus um, approached fishermen, and he would talk about casting your net on the other side. I will make you fishers of men. I mean, repeated and repeated references to fish, to fishing, and so on. Well, anybody who knew astrology, even in those times, would go, aha, here's another piece of evidence that this Jesus, this Christ, that these Christians are talking about, um, is also part of what you just call Christine, the, the plan, you know, within the universe. So he he's representing um, this period of change because then in the Gospel of John, what Jesus went on to talk about is um, out of, you know, anyone who believes in me, said Jesus, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So you get, if you're driving on the freeway, which I used to do going into Los Angeles when I lived in that area um, for some time, um, you'd see two kinds of stickers on the back of, on bumper stickers. There'd be the fish, so you know who they were. Um, but then you would also sometimes see living waters, you know. Um, Jesus represented that transition of those epochs from from fish to and why why that's important is that according to aquarius and you probably christy you should really talk about this not me but the, the whole point of aquarius is that there is this new opening of consciousness we're entering into a new age um jesus christ superstar was it, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, the age of Aquarius. I mean, they, they nailed it. Um, and so when the hippie movement in particular, which I got swept up in in the 70s, 
um, that was, you know, we did genuinely feel that we were, well, late 60s actually, I mean, we did feel that we were entering into a new age of enlightenment. This was, our minds were able to be opened afresh and that we could question things and it was okay to question things. You know, that wasn't true. That wasn't necessarily the true. So Jesus heralded in, if you like, the new age of Aquarius from an astrological. Does that help? Does that answer? As for numerology, I can't speak on it. I really am not an expert on that at all. You will have to read Jeff's book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he, he was an expert on it. He'd studied it a lot. Right, right. Um, Dean, did you have anything to add to that? No, no, not not better than that. So. Right. I mean, I've heard even that um, the 12 disciples represented the 12 houses of the Zodiac with their own personality and yep. um, agenda, which I thought was very, very interesting. I mean, you can read so much into this. Um, I do believe it's something that it is so big that it can you can apply many things to it and it can apply to many things as well. So. And that's why it's good to worse, that's why we're saying it's good to investigate it. There are a lot of people that have wandered away from church millions a year for the last decade and over the last decade who are out there with either some hurt around this or confusion around this or downright don't know how to even engage in the conversation when it comes to the story of Jesus because it meant so much. But what if what, if you can add in and look at all the different sources from numerology to astrology to what happened in the, in the in between the history moments? What is recorded? You can almost tell what didn't what would have happened to all of our factual, but you can also see what happened to the myth because it made the myth stronger. Right. And just because the person of Jesus may or may not exist. It does, does not mean that Christ's spirit hasn't existed the whole time. And that's what we're after. That's the unconditional love. That's the, you know, faith, hope, love. I think that's even a, even a numerological or a alchemist, you know, foundational um, arithmetic problem. Faith, hope, hope brings you to love. I, that's, you know, there's, there's, what about that? And then you got the Kabbalah, who in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of pieces of numerology that I have not been able to study either that fit in there. So why not grasp what you can? Because the part that's in your heart, the one that you want to grasp, you'll you'll just levitate towards that. But know that it's okay, and there's no right or wrong. We don't need to bash each other because every religion, every mystery or mainstream is drawing us back to being one. Bringing us to the oneness, right? Absolutely. You can see that happening. And that's all Jesus was doing and the stories yeah. that did get in there. And I don't know how some of them got in there. I've really, you know, I said, okay, he must have said this so many times that somebody remembered it, right? Because they weren't falling around with, a, you know, a pad and a, or a papyrus and a pen. You know, they weren't doing it. So, but it it's fun to play here if it's okay to play here for you. Oh, absolutely. And I do feel like this book is um, in a way tailored to those who maybe have had religious trauma. What would you say about that? This um, book, I, I think the religious trauma, from what I've heard of the tone, is everyone's angry. 
So my first message, you know, like you, you know, you get those one-on-one messages sometimes that it's just for you was when I got, it was, it was God doesn't care. And I felt like, you know, it could have been Jesus, the Christ spirit saying it right to me. And when I realized that was true, I wanted to get angry, but then I realized, no, because I was friends with pastors. They genuinely wanted to help people. That's why they were there. They were just inside of something that they were never even allowed to question. Hmm. Or if they did ever question it, they made a decision earlier than us and said, we're going to live like it's true, like Billy Graham did, like that, in that story. Mm-hmm. You said, Colin. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Um, as I'm a Reiki healer myself, as well as a hypnotherapist, and I see so many people coming to me for help because of the religious trauma. The programming right. that told them that they were not worthy, the programming that told them that they they were born guilty and will never be, never be okay and never be good. And just the, you have to go to church no matter what. And if you don't, you're going to suffer horrible consequences, that type of thing. And yeah. that is so ingrained in many of today's communities and religions. Yeah. And it's that original sin, right? That original right. sin, like the original sin that we're separated. Right. So, you know, that was around when Jesus was around. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the lie. We, you know, it, we, there was no separation. We, we read into the story some kind of separation and that we were bad. It's not, it's not in the Bible. There are so many things that we took on foundationally that when we bring them back together, because that is what got me most interested in epic work, Christy, is that the the people are stuck and you're going to have to do the work to get unstuck here mm-hmm. because, but don't blame it on anyone. There's a, the, the reason you were so entrenched and so desirable because it is because the myth of Jesus is so compelling and, and the desire to be that those experiences you had were real. They were still real. And if we can just grab a hold of that and, and let go of that anger and let go of that blame and take responsibility for it, we'll become who we are, who we were created to be here. I love that. And you do mention Epic Work, which is your website, which is um, epicwork.com. And yes. Tell that, tell about that for a minute if we're, you know people aren't familiar. So the epic work part is where I help blue collar or trades people become their fullest selves. And, you know, most of this stuff is around the soft skills and the people skills and, and the business skills they need to be able to do that on the outside. And of course we go on the inside, I see where they want to go. And I haven't found one person yet that isn't stuck or entrenched in the Jesus story. Most are stuck. If they get in that conversation with me, they know I'm going to challenge that. But the first thing I, the first message I got was God doesn't care. And then I went out to prove that was true. And I only went to the Bible to prove it. And it's all in there. God doesn't care about this. He's the whole thing is bringing us back to oneness without guilt, without shame, so that we can fully be who we are. And that's what I'm trying to do at Epic Work. Right. Back to that fullness and oneness and the the love that, like the one love that we all ultimately should share, but maybe don't. Um, I mean, it just kind of brings me back to that's, that was the central message. And 
but it, I, I can see where that might be problematic at the time that it was written. And sometimes it's problematic now because how can this love, this oneness exist with you are not worthy, you are guilty, you're born guilty, you'll never be good enough, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, to the point where I'm just thinking, how did this make it through all of the cuts of the Bible, this message of love? How did that well, even get to be the central tenet? Well, you have to dig to even get to that central tenet. But what if there is a lot of power in that mystery, right? What if, you know, what if Jesus was influenced by all the all the other Egyptians and numerology and astrology, he would have been very powerful, which the story has him powerful, right? Does this exist? And and I think it's in there. I think just what I found about initiates and, and traveling in the mystery religions, you get one level of knowledge, but right under those words is a second level. And that that's obvious in the, in, in the story, right? That we do have in the main parts of the Bible, but there's probably a deeper knowledge. And when you go into Kabbalah and the and the where the real power is to create your reality, to not be a, a victim, to say, "Hey, I, this is what I have. These are the resources I have right now. What can I make out of it? What can I create out of it? I am now living with the God power inside of me because that's the way we were designed. And what's cool, what's really really cool, is science is backing up all the spiritual findings today so what spirituality has been claiming for centuries science is saying oh here's how you stack this together to be a the high performance human being or peak performance human being whatever language they use it's amazing what today is if we can let go of the past and embrace embrace those pieces that work for us yeah that's amazing well even the message that uh the kingdom of god is within uh, that all, all that I do, you can do and more just that the, you don't need an intercessor to reach God and to be a good person. All of that, um, you know, in, I can't imagine that it's not seen as dangerous by some just because it gives more power and control over to the individual, which seems kind of antithetical to what some of these, uh, churches have done over the, you know, 2000 years i don't know what do you think well wouldn't the church have wanted us not to be powerful that's you know, what I'm saying. That they would have wanted it then right and and the message would have been different but the funnel the money funnel the power even the you know the leaders the political leaders were under the popes right it, it, they went to the popes to control the crowds so it was it was keep the power here at top and we're in a world now with their information just going to anyone with a cell phone, we and and we know there's power in knowledge. Yeah. Right. So, but not in knowledge that we learn and are forced to learn. Power and knowledge and how this world works, how it was designed to work, how we were designed to work in it, and to make the most of it. That's God created creators to create. What, what else would He have created? And so that. It, there's a lot of reason to push that down at the beginning of this when it was. That, that's what I'm saying. Uh huh. But now it's it, it's almost senseless. Now there's some I don't even know if they're trying anymore. Churches are getting more and more open to new ideas, but I don't know, you know, because I'm not in the world as much. But I my daughter's in the world, 
and she, you know, there's a big church that she ha- is a leader of. And w- when I tell her my ideas, she said, well, yeah, we talk about this all the time, not in church, but amongst us, you know, so mm-hmm. what's happening that, that yeah. we don't even know. I think it depends on the church though. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The Catholic Church would be no, you know, some more fun. Oh, well, it depends which, which, yeah, which branch of the Catholic Church as yeah. well. Yeah, more well, fundamental would say, eh, but yeah. Exactly. That, you know, the power is top down, and Jesus, but Jesus is saying you've got the power from the bottom up. From inside out, actually. From the inside. Yes, yes. But yeah, it's better even, better even than right. that. So, right, that you get but, the power from the inside out. So. I, I, I'd love to talk to you. We don't have time today, but yeah. I believe the Beatitudes hold that message inside of them. The, in the original language, it becomes yeah. obvious. Absolutely. I would love to talk to you about that more. Maybe we'll have you back for another episode just to talk sure. about the Beatitudes, because that yeah. would be very interesting. Anything? Yeah. Okay, so we are out of time. Um, but is there anything else that uh, either of you think is important we haven't gone over or haven't talked about? In the end, it all boils. I think we have talked about it. It does all boil down to love, unconditional love. In the end, Christy, um, and that's what motivates me and Dean, for sure. Um, and it motivated Jeff to write the book because um, the truth is, the final truth is that unconditional love is the, the the final power that can manifest not only within ourselves but in the world around us when we commit ourselves to it. So. Yes, I'd agree with that. And I would be completely remiss, Colm, if I did not mention that you were the person who brought the alchemist (laughs) to the rest of the world. From the obscure shelf in South America, (laughs) brought it out to everybody's bookshelf around the world. So um, I I love that work, and I love that you were able to see the power in it and bring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And of course, the book is The True Origins of Jesus, The Myth Behind the Man by Jeff Roberts, but edited by Colm Holland and forward by Dean Wilkinson. So this has been absolutely fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I really appreciate your your time and your patience with meeting with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Christy. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. 
On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.